Welcome to the Salted Carmel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, a Catholic church in Carmel, Indiana. On this podcast, we get the pleasure of sharing each other's testimonies or hearing individual testimonies and sharing them to the wide, wide world, all of our millions of listeners out there. My name is David Cook. I'm the stewardship director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and with me is the always tenacious Jody Curtis. Jody, who's our guest today? Our guest today is Troy Sipes. Troy, thanks for joining us today. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Our Lady? Of course, Jody. Thank you. Uh, again, my name is Troy Sipes. I am the resident nerd, we'll say, for Our Lady of Mount Carmel. My job title is Director of Information Technology, but generally speaking, if something has a plug, uh, we're blinky lights. That's me. <laughs> well, there's electricity in it. I need... <laughs> That is him. That a, is me. A lot of, lot of other things, a lot of other requests as well. I actually, um, I've been the director of IT for a year now. It's hard to believe I've been with Our Lady for that long. Um, I've aged 10. Not that you would know it, but COVID has done a number on us. We've been, uh, we are and have been a, a family of the parish for some time. And I'm so blessed because uh, my wife and I will be celebrating our sixth uh, wedding anniversary later this month. And uh, we have two beautiful children, Oliver, who is five, uh, who attends school at Our Lady in the full day kindergarten. And then our daughter, Tessa Marie, whose one year birthday will be in November. Aww, nice. Congrats. What was your life like before you had a relationship with Christ? Not before you knew about Christ, before you had a relationship with him. I was raised in a Catholic family, so very much what you would expect, right? Aunts, uncles, grandmother, parents, all Catholic, raised Catholic um, from day one. And there wasn't so much an expectation of be active in your faith so much as you must have faith. Obviously, being in a Catholic family, you are baptized, you go through the sacraments, and when I was in high school, I was confirmed. Not necessarily, again, because I wanted to, but that was the expectation, and woe, woe to the person who runs uh, across my grandparents or my mother. <laughs> but um, I actually went to Marion College, what is now Marion University, and I was thinking earlier today, I don't recall ever attending Mass in my four years at Marion, and it was an interesting time. I obviously was raised Catholic, but not practicing my faith in any measurable way. When I was in high school, I would skip Mass uh, and go to breakfast, of all things, um, mostly, I think, to, to rebel against... Uh, what I viewed as a, a lack of a choice on my part. And there was just a lack of understanding, a lot of challenging aspects, things that I didn't, couldn't even comprehend. And it was just a, I don't know, David and I were talking about this, it was a, a, a sea of waste. There was nothing there. I was wandering in the desert with no real comprehension of the fact I wasn't in the desert, number one, and number two, that I wasn't going anywhere. And so what happened? How'd you, how'd you get the oasis? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as it turns out, you eat enough sand, you'll find <laughs> what you're looking for. Or you'll die. Yes. <laughs> so um, back in 2012, I was working for an IT consulting firm. I was dating my now wife. 
we actually had a, a falling out. I had uh, had gotten sick actually, and um, I remember I wasn't feeling well. Ended up going home to my parents who live about an hour away. Uh, my mom's a, a nurse, and so you know, yeah, very doctor mom situation. And I um, I remember sitting in the bathroom at my parents' house, and I. I felt horrible. I was just, it was worse than the flu. And I remember just sitting on the floor. And actually, I remember it very vividly. I was sitting on the floor begging for God to take my life. Begging for him to... In the bathroom? Yes, just to to take me away from this pain and this suffering. And, you know, it's so funny. I prayed for the first time. And of all things, again, prayed for God to take my life. And listeners, it is 2020, so that did not happen. <laughs> but what ended up happening, I, as it turns out, had an underlying medical condition. I didn't know at the time, but discovered that I was uh, had clinical depression and anxiety. Uh, combined with the breakup, my wife and I had, well, we weren't married at the time. My, my now wife had we had split and it just created a lot of issues that culminated in this collapse of my life as it existed. And what ended up happening, I kept searching for ways to kind of get out of that. A mental health counseling, which I strongly recommend for those who need it, working with doctors and, and really getting a broad understanding of, of what was going on. But ultimately, I kept coming back to God. For me, the journey kept pointing me in the same direction. And in my desire to ignore God at all costs, I just kept stepping back. No, this can't be the answer. In fact, I remember vividly saying, God cannot be the answer. I'm just waiting for the lightning to come in. <laughs> strike me in this uh, podcast studio. Hey, but if he, if he didn't strike you down in that bathroom, I don't think he's going to strike you yeah. down. <laughs> so. so what it ultimately, I think, ended up happening... Uh, I went back to Mass for the first time in years, years and years. I went to confession for the first time. I prayed a rosary. I shouldn't say for the first time, but a first time in a very long time. I prayed the rosary, and I started to realize that God was there the whole time, and he was standing there. You know, we talk about how would you find that oasis. Well, as it turns out, God had his hand stretched out to me the whole time, and all I had to do was reach out and grab it. And then suddenly, although it felt like a very long time, but suddenly I was in a much better place. Mm-hmm. That oasis, it sprang up for me in the desert, and suddenly it became a realization that, no, I don't have to go through this alone. And, and no, this journey would not have been nearly as hard if I hadn't been burying my head in the sand mm-hmm. through my adult life. So from 2012 to 2015, I was kind of on this uh, road to recovery I started attending Mass regularly, uh, went to confession, prayed the rosary. My wife and I, um, over that three-year period, really started to talk through some of the things that we'd both experienced. Um, We had actually did and now still do work for Catholic churches, and it it was just so funny to me that that journey progressed in 2015, uh, excuse me, 2014. We got married in 2015. We welcomed our first child into the world and uh, just really haven't looked back. We're always mindful of where we've been, but we're trying to 
focus on where God has called us and where we uh, ultimately will honor him in our lives. Who do you think is your, your biggest faith influencer? Oh, without a doubt, my wife. She has, let's see, we met at Marianne College back in 2006. So for those of you counting at home, we're at roughly 14 to 15 years of knowing each other um, and married for just under six. So probably by the time this comes out, we'll be celebrating our sixth wedding anniversary. Uh, That's a long time to have to put up with me, as my (laughs) wife will attest. So I think that my biggest faith influencer is her, for many reasons, the biggest of which is the one who's accountable, that I have to be accountable to her. I might want to, well, I'm not really feeling mass today, or well, you know, why don't you guys go ahead? And while I sometimes win those battles, it is not without a look and a long list of, honey, will you please do this while we're at church? (laughs) So um, the other part of that is her knowledge of the Catholic faith is so large. It doesn't matter what my question is about the Catholic faith or anything related to the Catholic faith. Not only will she know an answer, but then be able to tell me the what and the why. (laughs) And so I I reflect on that. We were recently at a retreat. Uh, The staff of Our Lady of Mount Carmel were on a retreat for a couple days. And I had recently hired a new employee to assist me with all things technical. He was asking me questions related to how to become a priest. What's because he's not Catholic, and uh, to have a discussion about the faith. And it occurred to me I would have never been able to have the majority of that conversation without her input and my endless questions, her endless patience, I should say. It just really informed me in in passing on the faith to uh, others, and I think that that evangelization we too often take for granted. But my wife has empowered me to have those conversations. And without her, I probably would not be nearly as in tune with my faith. That's awesome. Nice. And I think that, I mean, that's true for, for me. I mean, half the things that I say I get from other people, you know, it's like, I think we underestimate how powerful it is to ask those questions of faith, but then you don't know when God's going to ask you to use it for someone else who's asking those same questions. I don't know. Troy, what are you most grateful for this week? The weather. <laughs> it is. So well, it we is, don't know when this is going to come out. That's so true. Whatever. We don't know when this is going to come out. But I will tell you, at the time of this recording, it was sunny and about 60, and the rest of the week was looking to be in the 70s and sunny, yeah. which I will happily take. I agree. It's beautiful out. It is beautiful. And I think that that is a reminder of God's presence. In Indiana, there's a, an old saying, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. And we've been incredibly blessed to have beautiful fall weather. We had beautiful summer, beautiful fall. And I, I try to take a moment, step back and say, God, thank you. When I open up the curtains every morning and I see the sun coming in, although increasingly not the case because the sun's coming up later and later, but I might take a minute, step outside, feel the cold air, look and see the sun. And I thank God for this beautiful place that he's given us to live. Nice. Very nice. That's awesome. What do you think are your specific gifts for evangelization? David, we did talk about this earlier, and I joke that I don't have uh, – God has not equipped me for evangelization, but the truth is he has. I spend 
probably an unreasonable amount of time, either at my office, at the church, or walking around the school, on the campus. As the IT director, I'm responsible for everything related to technology, not just at the school or the church, but the convent, the rectory, all the locations that Our Lady of Mount Carmel has. And it wouldn't be without God's help that I'm able to do all the things that need done on a given day. And that kind of tireless work ethic, the I, there's an expression, and I can't remember where it came from, but love starts when duty ends. And it's not just that I am paid a wage to do what I do, but it's that abundance of love. And I look around at the people I work with, like David, Jody, everyone else who's involved at the parish, and I think through, okay, what can I do to really keep up with these people, these these wonderful people that give so much back to the parish. And because of that, uh, we often joke that I am never not working. <laughs> um, but the truth is, I won't stop until I'm satisfied with what has been done. And to a degree, that means sometimes I just don't stop. Which can be a problem. But Which well. can be a problem. I, my kids will tell you... Um, Coming from the for-profit world, I recent, most recently worked at a, a Fortune 100 company, and it's a very different experience. In one aspect, I am enriching shareholders, my supervisors, people like that. And now we joke about it, but working for ministry, uh, a 40, 50, 60-hour work week only feels like 20 because you love what you do. <laughs> and you can immediately see the things that, that your your work bears fruit. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Um, so we're able to to have a good work-life balance, mostly because my family has never known me not to work in technology. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. I mean, I think that's such an underrated gift for evangelization because everybody, oh, I am extroverted. I can talk to people. I'm funny. You know, like all the things that I am. And it's like, <laughs> you know, nobody. <laughs> and so nobody humble. thinks about the, the background. So, yeah, yeah, the humility a, is strong. I don't have that gift yet. But <laughs> I mean, but the back down, background gift for evangelization is you enable our teachers to evangelize. You enable our youth directors to evangelize. You know, when COVID hit, is a perfect cri- or perfect crisis to show that gift. It's like our youth ministers, they didn't. They didn't know how to use Zoom or to make videos or to, you know, do all this stuff. It's like, oh, we have to learn how to be digital, you know, and you're like, oh, extra 40 plus weeks, you know. Yeah, it was a very quick turnaround from, I want to say within less than a week. We went from business as usual to we're shutting the campus down. Super quick. And I will tell you, I was a, a team of many. Many, 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 many volunteers who continue to provide their gifts and talents, their treasure to our parish to enable us to continue to do that work. I would love to take credit for it, but the truth is there were so many people that some days I felt like I was on the sidelines just trying to direct things that were already happening. And it was just that's it was, what humility looks like. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a very interesting time. And I'm just thankful that we're uh, stronger on the far side of it than we were going into it. Well, thanks for all you did during that time and ongoing for the parish. Troy, what keeps you salty in your faith? I think the number one thing, and this is 100% underrated in our faith, is going back to the basics. 
We have been, as a collective Catholic community, a lot of us have not been to Mass in several months. Uh, I take for granted the fact that I work in the building, the opportunity to attend Mass wherever possible. But the reality is, for many who would listen to this, there is a possibility they haven't been to Mass in several months, whether due to concerns over COVID, um, just now getting back into the swing of things after a summer spent doing things that don't normally happen during a summer. Just the ability to attend Mass, I think, is one of those wonderful things that we too often just say, well, it's Mass, you know, it's fine. We'll watch it on TV. We'll watch it on streaming. And if you're able to physically attend Mass, I think that's a wonderful thing. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to take a moment to, to think through what it means to go back and attend Mass in person. The other thing that I think is 100% underrated is our Adoration Chapel. I had, shortly after joining needed to uh, do some work to handle the scheduling system there along with a team of volunteers. And it, the first time I, I had the opportunity to step into the Adoration Chapel and really to take time to adore is a true blessing. It's something that's so very often overlooked. Our Adoration Chapel is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just goes to, to speaks to the vibrancy of the parish that we're able to do that. And shutting it down, you know, in that week from business as usual to we're shutting things down, uh, helping to close the Adoration Chapel actually was a, a defining moment of, of the pandemic for me to know that this was happening. And, and it made me very sad. It's one of the first things we reopened too. It is one of the first things we, we reopened. The other, the third thing actually goes hand in hand with Adoration and that's praying the rosary. The uh, my impression of the rosary as a child was, you know, my grandmother praying it, not having any comprehension why she's holding the string with all these beads on it. But I've, uh, in the last several years, have grown to have a true appreciation and love for praying the rosary and and all the gifts that it provides for us. Like, just waiting here, pray the rosary. It's a wonderful thing. Hundred percent. Love it. Well. We like to do a a call to action this week, and you gave us a lot of great things of how you stay salty. But the thing that I heard that resonated with me is the Eucharist and the Eucharist, you know. So this week, I challenge you guys to spend some time in front of the Lord and the Holy Eucharist at adoration. But if you can't go out of your house, literally, you can stream it on YouTube. You know, that works too. But I get in front of a crucifix, spend some time in prayer, pray a rosary and give the Lord a solid 15 minutes straight of your time. Just just 15 minutes. That's all you need for this week. All right. Stay salty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We need to end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of choice life. Thank you for all the gifts that you've given him and how he enriches those around him. Lord, we, we ask that you're, you bless his story. You bless those who are hearing his stories that... He might inspire others to work harder for you and to draw them back to your Holy Eucharist. We ask this all under the guidance of your Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the, the Lord, Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for our sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Stay salty. Thanks for joining us.